All right, I am glad to see all of you. Uh, Brother Brad, could you come please and grab something here? What I have is, huh? The money, yes, exactly. The money, the, the money is there. I'm printing it even as we speak. Uh, this that I'm going to have Brad pass out to you, one per family. Uh, my wife doesn't need it. She's <laughs> no. Um, this is something I might cover in in uh, the uh, in the message. I might not. I'd rather you not be perusing it while we're in the Word of God tonight. But it's it's one of many things that I glean stuff here and there, and there's just a few thoughts there. Uh, when I was going through what I was going through 20 years ago, and uh, it has been it has been a blessing, uh, just in helping you know in in sharing things that the Lord has shown me. But more and more, folks, more and more, I, I'm I'm recognizing that where we're going here is so needed because there are folks that, well. Some of them are having a hard time thinking. Uh, you ever heard that phrase, and forgive me because I think I've used it before, but, and it's well-worn. When you're up to your neck in alligators, it's difficult to remind yourself that your initial objective is to drain the swamp. In other words, when things are up to here, that's a tough time to get back into the Word of God and go, okay, now, now, where was that promise? What is this situation? What am I supposed to do here? So, really, I, I, what, what we're going to be looking at tonight is finishing up from last week, but it really is all about surrendering your mind to Christ. Surrendering, giving your mind, just letting him have it. Now, there is so much that we could be looking at. But we're, we're going to be taking this as best as possible. And if, I, am I, if I'm able to get to what I just handed you, that's great, but we'll see. So meanwhile, I would like for you to please do this. While I'm preaching, do two things. Number one, listen to God's word. Number two, pray with me while the, 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 the messenger is presenting the word of God because we're not the only ones that are hearing this. And, uh, well, there's more I could say about that, but we, uh, we, just, we just need to be used of the Lord and we need to use the word of God here to help us understand. So let's pray and we will get into the word. Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name, that your spirit now would speak. Lord, may we not only be guided by your spirit, but I pray that we would recognize the importance of your spirit and what you are seeking to do in our lives. Lord, we have no ability for doing that which is of eternal value than what you give us. And it's not for our glory, it's for yours. So Lord, glorify yourself tonight. I pray in Christ's name, amen. All right, could you please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read just two verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, two verses, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
I want to remind us of something. We are in enemy territory. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, we became citizens of heaven. This world is not our home. The Lord told us basically this. As you are here, you will be in a war. In John 16, 33, the Lord said, These things have I spoken unto you. And it's, an, it's a great chapter to read. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. Now, I praise God for that. Now, not only do we recognize that we're at war, but even the world recognizes that Christians are at war in the world. NBC had a wonderful time telling us about this, that we, the religious right, they call us, are the ones that are attacking. We are the ones that are creating this religious war. Well, let's see. You're butchering unborn children. You're murdering the marriage, the biblical marriage family unit, through the destruction of what comes along through the LGBT crowd, the transgender crowd, etc., etc. But the fact is, we read about what is taking place because of all this through Romans chapter 1, and I'm not going to go there right now. But he calls us to godly living. Christ does, as Mike was talking about this morning, that part and parcel of our giving, it helps us walk with him, trust him, understand him. And Paul told us, if you live like that, yea, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So we're in a war. But it's not like the world battles. We don't fight like the world does. So let's go to verse 4 again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly. But now notice this phrase, but mighty through God. This is his war. He is the one that has won the battle. Christ rose from the dead. We have that victory. But the only way we can claim that victory is surrendering ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ, recognizing our place in him. Take your Bibles, go to Romans 15. Romans 15. I, I, I have to tell you, I, res, I, I, got a, I, res, I, I got a renewed rejo, I, I got a renewed vision, not vision. What am I trying to say? Um, I really learned to love even more the fact of the Holy Spirit being with us. This last week, I was, I was down in Lancaster, and evangelist Scott Pauley preached. If you can get that, if you can watch that message from Tuesday night from the leadership conference, do it. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. He brought out a verse that I have loved for a long time now. It's been in the family somewhat. I've got children that really love this verse. Look at verse 13, Romans 15. Now the God of hope, now get this. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Now look at this. In believing. Now, now 
hold on, there are several phrases here that you've got to grasp. Now, the God of hope, what kind of God is he? Hello? He's the God of hope. Now, by the way, again, remember in the Bible, the word hope, (coughs) excuse me, the word hope is a sure thing. It's not a thing where you sit there and go, I hope, I hope, hope. No, 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 no. He's the God of a sure hope. It's guaranteed. Now, the God of hope, fill you, fill you. One of the things that Brother Scott Polly brought out was, was this. I, I, I love this. God does not fill us just to fill us. He fills us so the Spirit can flow through us. And, you know, that's one of the things. I mean, every once in a while, you just get hit with a thought, and it's like, yeah, that's right. We're not up here to glorify self. We don't seek to glorify ourselves, just, you know, like, hey, look at the gift that I've got. No, it's, it's a situation where the Holy Spirit is flowing as you encourage others. I pray to be an encouragement to you tonight. For my glory, <laughs> absolutely not. This is God's territory. It's God's territory. So, go back to it. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Listen to that. That's what he plants in us. But he says this is how it takes place. What's the next two words? In believing. So when we're looking at what we're looking at in 2 Corinthians 10, we need to recognize that what we grasp, we grasp because we are trusting him. That's what that word means, believing. That ye may, now look again, that ye may abound. It means to superabound. In other words, God, as Jim Berg has said in his book, God is just not, it's not a situation where, you know, God is enough. No, God is more than enough. That's why we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, quite honestly, this is why I'm concerned about Christians in general. Something has taken place in the visible body of Christ. There's a situation where, you know, we're we're looking, and I'm going to be preaching, Lord willing, on on this subject next Sunday morning, and I can't wait. But we've lost something. And I'm not laying blame on you. Please, don't misunderstand. I praise God, you're here. But there's something that people are sensing. By the way, um, one of the things that we're excited about right now is there's there's an initiative in planting churches in California. It's called California for Christ. We're working on that. I'm going to be sharing a little bit more about that later on with you, but I'm loving it. It's going to take people that are excited. Hey, we're getting the gospel out. We're getting the gospel out. My soul, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. I don't know how many independent Baptist churches are there, but when you find out that in a, in a city of roughly 5 million people, there's only two or three independent Baptist churches. I mean, the, California is a mission field. We don't need to be moving out. We need people to be coming here, and that's what the call is going to be going out to California, but I don't want to get off the subject here. Watch this now. Go back again, please, verse 13, Romans 15. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy, excuse me, joy and peace in believing. Now, therein, we we need to understand Satan is going to try to keep us from doing that. 
He's going to do everything, and I'm stealing from later on in my message, but he's going to do everything he can to challenge your view of God. It broke my heart to hear of a pastor, a former pastor friend, who has told a mutual friend more than once, I hate God. Now, do you understand? This is somebody who stood in a pulpit just like this, and he preached the gospel just like this. And now his view is, I hate God. Now, I was in a situation where I didn't believe God loved me. I am so glad that God helped this thick-headed man to settle down, sit down, and listen to his word. That's where belief comes from. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by... Let's never forget that. Back. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. Watch this. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. So again, two things to grasp here. God fills you to flow through you. God fills you to flow through you. Number two, you don't get the fullness of the Holy Spirit by begging, but by believing. That's what it tells us. Now, the question comes, are we ready to believe God at every turn, at every promise? Again, that harkens back to what Brother Kelly was talking about this morning. If God was to call on us to do something, we've, we've got a pastor friend. God told him, I don't know all the details behind it, but there was a situation where they needed to give funds to something, and it basically emptied out their church bank account. And he did it. And right after that, they received a check in the mail that had been written before they did this situation that completely covered what they did. The two were not connected, according to what he told me. The two were not connected. It's amazing what God does. And I'm sure there are people here, you understand that you've been through something like that. You're in Romans 15. Look at verse 19. Through mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum, Illyricum, through that town, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now, he's just going ahead real quick. Understand, I'm just trying to stress this. Paul knew what it meant to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. That's what we need. So, understand, there's the person and the work of the Spirit that we need to embrace There's also a spiritual warfare. You need not turn to this, but just remember there's a spiritual warfare concerning the Spirit because of this. How many of you remember the verse in Ephesians 4? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. This is just kind of an aside, but we we, we need to remember this. If you look at the context, which is important, It's talking about speech, what you're saying, that going back and forth. If we wind up in a crude manner, in an angry manner, in a vicious manner, in all, if we get away from godly speech, we're going to grieve the Spirit. We don't want to do that. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, quench not the Spirit. Obviously, the idea is putting the fire out. Don't do that which will put the fire out, the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life. I think sometimes we get a little, um, we get a little concerned about how we're, you know, when when it comes, because of the misuse and abuse of the Holy Spirit, we wind up shying away from him sometimes. We ought not 
do that. H.E. Robertson said this, today, as then, as during this time, there are two extremes about spiritual gifts, cold indifference or wild excess. It's not hard to put out the fire of spiritual fervor and power. The Holy Spirit is here to keep doing what he did from the, from the very beginning. Hebrews 4.12, a very well-known passage. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner and uh, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Holy Spirit takes the word of God and empowers it. Now there's sometimes when a preacher gets up here and his tang gets tangled and it's you know, all of a sudden it's like, what in the world am I trying to see, you know, and all that. But what's great is when the Holy Spirit just simply settles in and helps you understand, for instance, listen, the word of God works. The word of God works. There is nothing like the Holy Spirit taking the word of God and changing the heart of a believer. I love, again, another, another thought that Brother Scott Pauley uh, brought out this last week. Just real quick. Mention 2 Timothy 3.13. And this is something that, you know, we get to thinking about, you know, in this day and age, how many of you love what's happened to the world in 2022? I don't, I, I don't either. Okay, so here's chapter 3, verse 13, 2 Timothy. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Have they done that? Okay, let's all go hiding up in Idaho, right? He said, no, 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 no. He said, look at the next verse. And he's right. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of. You know what that means? Trust God's promises. Don't worry about where God calls you. If he calls you, he goes with you. And he keeps his promises there. So let's go back to our text. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would please. Now, verse 5. To me, this is, this is so filled with all kinds of things that are promises we need to know, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself. Now, now listen to each phrase. Exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The promise is this, you obey, God will do it. He gives a command, do it. But look at this, casting down imaginations. The idea is taking thoughts and speculations and philosophies, and they are out there. They're out there. False religion, take it. These are things that they try to barricade mankind away from God. He says this, you take these things and you cast them down. I was just recently at a Catholic church at, for, a, for a, a funeral. And it, again, it grieved us. There's no hope. There's no hope. Somebody was telling me that they were in a... Um, uh, at, at, a, at, at a Buddhist service as well. There's nothing. They sat there solemn. It was, I love the fact that we can come together and if there is someone that we're getting ready to bury, they have passed, quote unquote, passed on, we're going to see them again. We're rejoicing in what God did in them. We're rejoicing at what God continues to do here. So he says this. He says, listen, there are thoughts that the world is trying to bring your way. And folks, there are thoughts that the world is trying to bring your way. You recognize them by the word of God 
and you cast them down, casting down imaginations, and every thought. Now, what he's talking about is this. You take these things, and there's, there needs to be total destruction of all the satanic wisdom that the world is trying to bring your way. You can win this. He is telling us that can happen. Understand, God's word is God's will. If he says it, we can do it. If he commands it, we can obey. God's word is God's will. Now, he purchased, praise God, our victory. But we have a part in us, in this. The weapons of our warfare that he has given to us. Now, people are up against it right now. By the way, there's a, uh, there's a man that used to write for RU. His name is Dr. George Crabb. He has now started doing something himself when it comes to writing and helping those that are involved in addictions and such. He was down there in Lancaster. In fact, his ministry is down there now. And I went to a class that he put on. In fact, it was so popular, they had to do it twice. It was amazing. But what he was saying was this. Basically, in one of the areas, God's people are getting so involved in Again, the atmosphere in this world. Now, it might not be happening here. I don't know. But we need to be mindful of this. There are people that don't, they've trusted Christ as Savior, but they don't get into the Word like maybe you, or I, you and I do. They need the promises. Question. What do you tell somebody? That's why I hand that book out, God's Promises for Your Every Need. Like I've said before, I think I've handed out well over 200 of those because here's the situation, here's the promise. I love it. God's people need them. And by the way, if you need a copy of that, let me know. I can give one to you. Ultimately, ultimately, what we need to do is track where our minds are going. Again, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. We need to track this. Go back again. Oh, forgive me. I'm still in Romans here. Here we go. Go back to verse 5. Yeah, verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Now listen, oh, I can't move from this. It's not just things of anxiety. The most important thing about you, please do not forget this. The most important thing about you is your view of God. I'm going to say that again. The most important thing about you is your view of God. You know, you ought to sit down. You ought to sit down and ask yourself, what do I think about God? And not just, not, not just a thing of, you know, pulling something out of midair, thinking that, well, you know, this would sound good to somebody, or I think this sounds nice, or whatever. Have you been living for instance, in the fact that God keeps his promises. Now stop and think about that. Have you been living in the fact that God hates sin? This is why I, 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 I said before, there, there's two things that the Lord has so emphasized in my life recently. One of them is that fear of God. That fear of God, I, you know, look, 
we all face, we all face uh, temptations, right? Okay, here I am. Now, now please understand how I'm, why I'm, I'm saying this. I'm not super Christian, but I'm alone. My wife has gone to the ladies' retreat. I've got a computer. I've got a television. I can watch anything at that time. Nobody's going to know except God. And you know something? I need God's power. You do too. And if there is anything that ought to keep us from the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is the knowledge that I do not want to quench the Spirit. You see, you and I need God's power. We need his wisdom. We need the walk with him. I don't see that saying, I never fall. Huh, talk to my wife. I'm always the good husband, aren't I, honey? Oh, mercy, I better be quiet. I, I, I do, I, I do want to take, I do want to take a, um, I, I don't want to call it a sidestep, but I, I want to take an avenue here because I think, I, I think it's important. Because the fact of the matter is there are people today that are getting a little more anxious because of what is taking place. This world, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm waiting at any time, you know, for things to just get well out of hand. There's all kinds of thoughts out there. I'll just, I'll trust the Lord. We are watching our God continue to set things in place for him, for his glory. But it gets a little disconcerting sometimes with what we hear and what we see. And there are those of God's people that are wondering, what am I standing on? It's been said of this, and I'm, 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 trying to, I'm, I'm trying to do a good approach here. When you think about being anxious, when you think about being concerned, these things are the result of responding to uncertainties of life. Now listen... This is why I brought it up, with a wrong view of God. You and I have a view of God. The most important thing about you is your view of God. What we need to understand is we are responsible for how we think. We're responsible. There's nobody, you know, there's, there's nobody else that makes you think a certain way. You go the direction. And in this particular situation, we can go into a place where it's like, oh my, the dollar is about to collapse. The economy is about to cave in. God is in control. But listen to this. Proverbs 133. But whoso hearkeneth unto me, the wisdom of God, shall dwell safely. That word there, that phrase, it literally means in certainty. Shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The Lord said, in me, that's where your peace is. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. 
Later on in Proverbs 3, verse 1, Solomon wrote this. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Listen to this. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. If we operate by the obedience of the word of God, this is what we'll have. We'll keep it. Remember, Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, again, you might think, well, I don't have this problem. Praise God. But I'll guarantee you, you know somebody who does. And you need to share it. You need to be able to share it. Share it. God's people need to have this attitude. I'm safe in God's care. I don't need anything more to do God's will today. Now, again, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Has God commanded us to be soul winners? Yes. But, you know, the the world has kind of gotten crazy. No, I understand. But we can be a witness. God puts us within the purview of people that other people will never see. We can be a witness. We can be a testimony. You can stand for Christ. We can keep this, what this verse is saying. I'm going to take the imaginations that try to make me, to try to draw me from dis, to, into disobedience or into unbelief. We have all that we need. We can put our efforts, for instance, even tonight, we can put our efforts into worshiping God because we trust him. That is what we need to lean on. Go, if you would, to Philippians 4. Familiar passage. I want to show you something here. Look at verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Literally means be anxious to be drawn in different directions. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, that which is asked for, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That's another area. Been studying a little bit more on prayer. Folks, what a joy it is that we have prayer. We can go straight to the throne of grace. That's wonderful. Watch this. Verse 7. And the peace of God. God's peace. The peace of God, which, oh, by the way, passes all understanding. You you can't. It's it's hard to, to scope it out. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep. Brother Mike Kelly mentioned that word. It means to guard or garrison about. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But then, look, and I've mentioned this before. It tells us, now, this is where you need to be thinking. I would encourage you to just take a simple concordance. Look up each of these words. It helps you kind of expand a little bit what's being used here, what's being said here. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That is where we take our minds, we surrender our minds, and we bring that mind into subjection and determine, I'm going to think as my Lord tells me to think. I'm going to go ahead and bring up 
Go to the, 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 the page that I gave you where it says we expect too much from people and too little from God. And I, 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 I shared this a long time ago, but I just, I, I love it. Halfway down, halfway down the, um, the, pa- the page, it says English pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones advice. Now watch this. We must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Now, some people look and go, that's really weird. No, no, no. You talk to yourself. You do. You let it go, and and you're telling yourself stuff all the time. You're allowing yourself to go a certain path. He says, do you realize what this means? By the way, he he was a great pastor in London, you know, 70, 80 years ago. I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, uh, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourself. Most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. You're not saying, look, whatever is true, honest, just, pure, loving, etc. I'm, I'm going to go there. No, we're just, I don't know what I'm going to do. That's what we want to, uh, that, I, I was just talking like Brother Whiteside does at times. That's just, that's a lot of fun. Amen. But listen, he, he, he says this, the main art in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. And and I think this is great. You know, we all have already gotten a little bit of an idea of where our weaknesses are. And I mean the ugly ones too. The ones that we don't want to tell anybody else. But we recognize where our weaknesses are. All right. He says, this is what... You do. You have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself. You have to preach to yourself. Question yourself. Did anybody in the Bible ever do that? Yeah, turn to Psalm 42. Go there, Psalm 42. What did David do? Verse 1. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. Listen, he is, he is bearing his soul. This is what my real passion is. Where shall I come? When, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Yeah, where you, yeah, your God, he's really doing good for you. You know, the world is going to be telling us that more and more. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I have gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. And then he says in verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the help of my countenance and my God. Are you hearing that? If David found the need to sit himself down and say, listen, buddy, you need to hear this, then sometimes we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I want you to stop right now. Hope thou in God. Yeah, but look, no, no, shut up. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the help of my countenance and my God. That's what you do. Because there's the promises of God. And I guarantee you, I have done this. I've had to. Ask my wife. I've got a hard head sometimes. How many of you, at times, have had a hard head? Raise your hand. Some of you are lying, I'll tell you what. 
You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God, instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. By the way, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones has a book on spiritual depression. I encourage you, go to Kindle, get it, guarantee it. It's good reading. It's very good reading. So with that in mind, We take these things that we know. We recognize, I'm going to Jim Berg now. I love what he did. He, he, you know what? Here's my attitude check, he said. Today will be a good day for this reason. God is with me as he promised. He will meet my every genuine need. I can fellowship with him at a moment's notice. He will show me his love and grace. He will be more than enough for me today. I want to give you a few verses, and then we're done. I want to give you a few verses. I'm going to, I'm going to give you some uh, places where you can go. What am, I, what am I trying to say? Where the verse is? The... See, this, this is what bugs me about me. By the way, I, gotta, I, I don't feel bad about this, Brother Dan, anymore. There was, a, there was a young man that I was with down in Lancaster. He's in his 40s. He got covid And all of a sudden his, you know, every once in a while he's got a, you know, his mind is kind of in a fog. He was telling me he was preaching sometime last year and he's waxing eloquent and he says, and in John 3.16 it says, and he couldn't remember what John 3.16 said. So I'm in a good group. I can remember John 3.16 right now. Listen to this. 1 Kings 18.21. Just put that down. And Elijah came out to, unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? There's a good thing for us to do. There are places where we need to sit ourselves down and say, Listen, if I'm going to cast these things down, if I'm going to surrender my mind to the Lord, I need to challenge myself. I need to look myself in the eye and say, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. What about the wicked? Psalm 10, 4. David wrote, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. God needs to be in our thoughts. I love Psalm 94. 94, 19. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, Thy comforts delight my soul. What's one of your favorite promises of God? Anybody got a favorite? If you've got a favorite, raise your hand. A favorite promise of God. Come on, raise your hand. All right. Brad, what's yours? I love that. I love that. He will perform. Do you realize that while we're together right now, God is seeking to do a work in your heart? Now, does that thrill you? It ought to. He wants to grow us. Psalm 119, 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Psalm 139.23, we've used this so much. Search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Proverbs 16.3, wonderful. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. That's what 2 Corinthians 10.5 is talking about. We need to be thinking rightly. You commit the mind and the heart to God, and you'll be thinking rightly. Just in passing, a great one for giving the gospel. Isaiah 55, 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord 
and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Aren't you glad for the gospel? This was, this was so important to me many years ago. It was so hard because I was having to relearn some things while I was pastoring the church. And believe me, it was a very difficult time. But God was so good. Because God is good all the time. Now I want to ask you, how many of you right now, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to say who, but how many of you right now know somebody that deals with anxiety? Raise your hand. Okay. I would encourage you to learn the scripture that you can share with them on the resting in Christ. And I didn't, I, I barely scratched the surface here. I've got a multitude of things that I gathered that have been a joy for me to see and then others. And it's not just anxiety, but it's doubt, it's uncertainty, it's anger, it's bitterness. It's all of these things. God's people need to nail down better how to think. Surrendering our minds to our Lord is a great step in that direction. Amen? There's some other stuff that I put on the, that, that page uh, you might enjoy, uh, enjoy reading. I hope and pray. Just wanted to share that, share that with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for what we have in Christ. We're so thankful that we can know the peace that passes all understanding as we surrender to you and as we grow, as Brother Brad brought up. And so, Lord, I pray that we would take your word, meditate on it. Lord, I pray that our thoughts would be your thoughts. I pray that we would walk out of here walking in the fear of the Lord, but recognizing that the Holy Spirit of God is within us to work through us for your glory. Oh, Lord, when I stop and I consider what the possibilities are on how we can affect other people, saved and unsaved, because we are seeking to be, as the song says, a channel for your grace. Use us, I pray.